right, lads. How's it going? Welcome to Absolutely Savage with your favourite host, Mr. David Savage. How are y'all keeping? Are you doing all right? Are you enjoying a few points for yourself, lads? Actually, that's um, that's what I want to know. This is going out on the Friday now, so, you know, <laughs> come four o'clock, we'll all head down, right? <laughs> I, know we're, I know we're working till six, but don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone that, no, at all. We'll head straight down. Um, how are y'all keeping, anyway? Uh, so I'm just going to give you a, you know, a brief little thing there before I uh, play the interview with... Uh, Mr. Pierce McCarthy, who I was delighted to speak to. It was a fantastic interview. Um, we had a great chat. Uh, we, we had a great chat about a lot of things, about music, about radio. Um, I really enjoyed our music chat, actually. That's what I really enjoyed. But Pierce is a very down-to-earth guy. Um, spoke very, very well. And I'd like to take the time to thank, for, to thank him. Can't speak English. To thank him for um, giving me the time and giving us a great interview. Um so let's we'll have plenty more over the next few weeks anyway. So take care. And here is my interview with Mr. Pierce McCarthy. And I will talk to you again soon. Bye, 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 bye. I'm delighted to be joined by the legend, Mr. Pierce McCarthy. How are you? Good. It's nice to be called a legend, even though I'm a living one. I'm living anyway. So <laughs> no, I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, I suppose really... Um, what I really want to kind of get going first is so for people who don't know Pierce, or you surely recognise the voice anyway, because he's the voice of news in Cork at the very least. Anyway, I'd say at this stage, um, you're kind of <laughs> your Cork's answer to Ron Burgundy, I suppose. Was that was that who you are? <laughs> I'll take that Cork's answer to Ron Burgundy. That's good. What do you think about the Cork's answer to Ron Burgundy? <laughs> you can take that whatever way you want, but yeah. um. No, but you're 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 obviously you've very you've very distinct voice for news, and that's what a lot of people would know you from. But uh, so you're 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 working ninety six FM now, a good few years. So could you tell me yeah. how that kind of came about? Yeah, sure. Um, I originally got into radio in the eighties. I was involved in pirate radio in the eighties, uh, which would have been very different to what pirate radio is today, because you have to remember in the eighties all we had was RTE, and that was it. So that then, you know, around different parts of the country, local radio stations started popping up because people needed to listen to pop music and I suppose people wanted to have a local kind of service. Now we had RTE and then we had RTE Cork, but there was South Coast Radio, ERI. They were kind of what they called the super pirates back then. So that's how I first got into it. I was 13 years of age and I rang up South Coast looking for a summer job, answering the phones, taking requests, doing anything, just wanted to be immersed in radio. So I did, and then one of the guys who used to do the breakfast show back in the South Coast back in the 80s kind of took me under his wing and showed me how to operate a studio, and and I'm sure I was loving life, 13 years of age, and I used to go in a little for the last half hour of his breakfast show, and I'd, I'd run the desk, queue up, the records do all the tape you know the the cart machines for the ads and then i went away from it and yeah i'm, I'm in 96 now i think about 14 years be 14 years this year um i'd done the radio broadcasting course that you did in csn way yep. back when and i came up here at the start of second year for four days work experience and i never left yeah they, they couldn't get rid of you after that then <laughs> no i'm like a bad smell man i'm always around you know? <laughs> No, but um, no, but a lot of people came from the radio broadcasting course in CSN, which is a fantastic course. Um, it, it helped me an awful lot to learn an awful lot about what I'm doing now. And of course, Peter is Peter O'Neill. Um, was you know he was very famous around Cork anyway for being involved with pirate radio like yourself there. So he's he's well known around Cork for that reason. Um, he's actually one of he's actually one of the voices that got me into radio. 
It's that's yeah, that's an interesting one now because he was presenting yeah. Breakfast Show for years, didn't he? And he he, he claims yeah. that ended his career, but I don't know about that now. <laughs> when before '96, it was called Radio South when it mm. first started, and Pete was part of that then. But I think Pete, I think he he enjoyed pirate more than the legitimate thing. You know, I mean, the whole idea of pirate yeah, in the yeah. 80s was to push for local radio stations, and then I guess when when that happened. You know, an awful lot of it then was there was rules and regulations. So, you know, maybe the fun of it, it's kind of like chasing that girl. And then when you get her, you don't want to be with her anymore. It's that yeah, kind of yeah. a scenario, you know. But Pete's, Pete's, Pete's an amazing man, a lovely man. But his knowledge of radio and his part in the history of radio in Cork is huge. It is, of course. And um, no, yeah, definitely. When, you, when he'd be telling you stories about, you know, what they were doing on the pirate radio scene, it sounds like some laugh. It sounds like it was, you know, it, it, it was, it was, I think you were able to be very creative back then. I think mm-hmm. it was nearly like what podcasting is now in a way, except you could nearly even, obviously you'd reach maybe a broader audience even because radio and still is very massive. But back when there was no other sort of medium, radio was a massive entertainment medium for people. And it's because we'd know, we'd know internet, you have to remember there was two TV stations, yeah. you know, RT1 and RT2. Um, you had 2FM only kind of just started in the late 70s. So, you know, there wasn't as much distractions for people as what there is today. Um, so radio, yeah, the people in Cork took took all that kind of, you know, they, they, they kind of, you know, they they took to it very, very much so. And um, because it was very Cork based, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. if you listen to RT, an awful lot of stuff is about Dublin. Yeah, exactly. Where, you know, the, the local radio stations here. Yeah, there was an awful lot of English jocks came over first, but you had the likes like Paul Byrne, who's now on TV3. He would have started in South Coast Radio. Ken Tobin, Trevor Welch, Rob Allen. You know, there's loads of people here. Barry O'Mahony would, would have been involved in the Pirates back in the 80s. I was. Um, so there's quite an awful lot of people. And now the kind of newer generation that are here, an awful lot have come through CSN. So. Yeah. No, in, in fairness to um, to Cork's 96FM, to give them a, spe- a special shout out for that, they've been very good to to former students um, and they've been very good to take people on in fairness. And I, I know that just from having friends that are even involved, um, which, which is, which is very good because not like it's not, it's not something you should take for granted that commercial stations would take on, you know, young talent that easily and treat them, you know, treat them well and treat them fairly. So that is something to, you know, to give them a good shout out for. Um, I suppose, were you always interested in going into news or what kind of, is that, is that what you intended to go into when you went into commercial no. radio? No, no, not at all. <laughs> like in the eighties, I was a jock, like everybody else. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You know, I, had the, I had the cheesy name Mark Evans. My, my it's a funny one for you actually. My very first uh, radio name was like a porn star name, Rick Stewart, <laughs> and I used to speak with an English accent. So I, I first started with Radio Caroline, uh, which was a station based out in Toker, but they took all the jingles from the famous Radio Caroline, the ship, mm. and I think everybody, like anyone I worked with of a vintage uh, we all would have started there but when i when i got the gig then with south coast radio but i mean i used to hop school and go to south coast and hang out there all day yeah, yeah. so i just loved it but i always remember when they asked me to you know we can give you a show now the only thing is uh, we need you to speak in your accent and drop yeah. that porn star name that you had which was rick stewart so even when i went to do the radio broadcasting course i just wanted to work in radio so it just so yeah. happened that i have the four days work experience i got sent up here for it was in the newsroom and yeah, I kind of, you know, here I am now. Now, as well as doing news, I also, I also cover the Arts House show as well on a Sunday. 
Yeah, yeah. When, when Elmarie and Connor are off. But uh, yeah, it's mainly news. And you know what? I like news anyway, so that's fine. No, I'm telling a story. Like I'm telling stories for 11 months. <laughs> no, but that it, it is good, like, because it, it's something different every day. Like, I mean, the news changes every day. So it's 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 very good to always keep an, informed with that. And like, especially during our era, which is a good thing as well, you know? Yeah, exactly. And especially during uh, during COVID, like with what we've had for the last two years, it was definitely something different to do of a day compared to people who were locked down and, you know, had to stare yeah. at the same four walls. You know, it, it is it is very good to be able to have something like that. Um, yeah. when you're saying, I mean, I, I yeah. consider myself one of the lucky ones that I got to go to work every day. Mm. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that I would be talking about the one topic that dominated literally everything in news and sport. Yeah, you know, there was a period like this time last year, we had no sporting events going on, there was nothing going on. We were living in oh, fear. Yeah. People didn't yeah. know, people didn't know what was happening. You know, this was all so new, and uh, yeah, but here we are, like 15 months later, we're still talking about it, you know. I know because like and I, I it's just whenever I have someone on I always go back to it. But it's when all this started I remember thinking, um, oh no, this is grand now, we'll be locked down for a while and we'll be able to go out at the go out during the summer and watch the Premier League, it'll be grand, there'll be no panic. And, uh, yeah. Two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, as, as a buddy of mine says, uh, it's very funny, he said, I remember a year ago everybody was saying it, you know, was saying, We're in this together. And he said, yeah, Here we are yeah. fifteen months later and it's now we're in it to win it. Because <laughs> there's nobody in it together anymore. <laughs> no, of course not. And and look, I mean, people have gotten. I suppose it, it it's tough for everyone, and people have gotten frustrated with how long it's been going on. And look, I suppose to people who haven't been out in the front line working, you know, like for example, even in supermarkets, even but but especially in hospitals, they, they don't know they, they don't know the real reality of it. And I suppose that's the people we're trying to look after, and that's the people we're trying to protect at the end of the day. Um, when you were talking there, just to, to go back on that point about Radio Caroline, that because uh, mm-hmm. we did hear that when we were doing the radio course and stuff like that, that people had to speak with English accents, which it sounds bizarre to me now. Thinking I'm, I'm pure Cork, you know, even bizarre. I'm pure, I'm pure Cork. So for me, that would be a that would be a strange thing to have to do if I was presenting a radio show. Well, it was by choice, really. But I guess you see, you have to remember all the cool, funky jocks that were coming over here were from England, so. You kind of looked up to them, so you kind of thought it was a cool, but I was 13 years of age. Can you imagine how crappy my voice must have sounded? <laughs> I probably hadn't even broken at that stage. So I was this very English accent kind of voice, hi. Trying to do, be a, a man, but it was better than when I had my own voice. If someone could dig up that recording for us there now, we'd be happy, wouldn't we? <laughs> oh, man. You could, yeah. certainly, uh, you could certainly earn a few quid out of it anyway. <laughs> But isn't it funny how like people try to impersonate the voice of the time? Like for example, we, like you were saying there, that's what all the cool jocks were sounding like in Hola. And you could even kind of half hear it in um in in other radio stations. No, not necessarily Cork radio stations. I think there is a certain local feel to the sounds there. But if you listen to like Two FM or anything, it is the same. It's the same type of presenting all the time. You know, it's kind of like, oh, welcome to the hit show. You know, the the, the voice like that Atlantic and, tone. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's nearly always sounding the same, and it's just funny. Like if you look in twenty years' time, now it's probably going to sound different again. It's just, it is yeah. uh, that's something that's always fascinating me is the voice of the time. You know. Yeah, I, you see, the thing with local radio is, and the handy thing with local radio is local voices are, are much more accepted. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, we have a multitude of voices here. We have English voices. We had American voices, everything. But people in general like to hear their own county's accents of on course, the radio. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, it makes you feel kind of home. And I guess with national, because they're broadcasting to every county, not maybe a mid-Atlantic tone, but somewhere, somewhere in the middle where... 
you can be understood in every county. Yeah, well, I came from community radio, so and I remember Pete. Where were you working? I was in uh, CRY Community Radio, y'all. Oh, down um, y'all, they're brilliant, man. It's great a great station. station, absolutely fantastic station. I, was I actually there, worked there uh, for a little bit before I got into CSN. Yeah, because, no, they're fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're great. Oh, it's unreal down there. Now, it was in the old studios that their new studios now are fabulous. I've been there too. They're, they're class. The new studio is state-of-the-art, man. Like, it's it's actually mm-hmm. class. Like, they have two studios, one you can use for recordings even. Like, it's unreal. But um, I remember, like, when I used to do, because obviously, you know, Juice FM in CSN was, you know, run as a commercial station, like hit music and all the rest. And my style of presenting when I first went in there, um, Peter used to give me an awful doing over because I sounded fierce bog, as he used to say, like... Because I'm from East Cork, so I used to sound very. I probably went in there being like, and we're uh, we're going there now. We have Julie here now next, you know, like probably fierce, <laughs> fierce bog altogether. It's just it's fun. It's funny when you think about what, what where you come from is where you sound, you know. Where in East Cork are you from? I'm actually from Carrick Tool, um, the, oh, rough, yeah. the rough part. <laughs> yeah, my I, my my parents retired down to Castle Martyr, so I I have an affinity to East Cork, and when I moved back to Cork from Dublin. I lived in Ballycotton for a number of years as well. Oh, so lovely town. Yeah, I like East, East Cork is cool. Yeah, where are you actually originally from, Pierce? Black Rock in Cork. Oh yeah, no, a Black Rock. Yeah, the, the nice part. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was back back when I was posh. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course. Yeah. Um. No, because I I actually I thought for a long time you were from uh, East Cork because you were because I knew you were from you were around Ballycotton for a long time. That's why I kind of just yeah. I assumed you were from East Cork, and I was like, no, it was just a blowing. I'm afraid. A strong East Cork accent on him, all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course. Um, yeah, no, it's it, it, it's it's great that uh, like for me, you no, know, I haven't been involved in radio for a long time now. Um, I just, to be honest, which I just got kind of lazy, as I say. But getting back into podcasting, even is is great. And as I say, COVID is what actually got me back into it. And I do miss, I do miss kind of, you know, seeing people that were involved in the industry and all that, because I, I really did enjoy even just studying. It was fascinating. It, all types of it was brilliant. You know, what was your favorite part of it? I love presenting. Um, I really did like that. Uh, and just, just learning about different styles of presenting. Cause as you say, like, as I was talking, when I went in first, I had a different, you know, I, I was completely different to what they were, what we were kind of trying to train for and all the rest. And even just, you know, going over to like learning about different countries, like, you know, going over to Canada, seeing what they sound like, um, hearing people in England. That was, I loved all that kind of stuff, just seeing personalities. And that's only a very small part of radio, as you know yourself, the, the personality. There's a lot more involved than just that. And what would you like to, would you, would you like to get back into it properly? Um, I'd say eventually, but you know what? I'm keeping going with the podcasting at the moment. Anyway, that's probably what I'm going to keep going with. But I, there's I, not. I mean, this is absolutely savage. But you have another one too, haven't you? you I mean, you're involved in a mm. couple of podcasts. I've got the Uninformed podcast with my uh, buddy Aaron McCarthy as well, and uh, I have uh, Red Devil Show, which we're just talking about football. But um, yeah, you Red Devil. Are you Manchester United fans? Yeah, we're Manchester United fans. Yeah. <laughs> Well, at least you're not Liverpool fans. I'm an Everton fan. So. Yeah, you're an Everton. We can we can mutually go against Liverpool there, so we'll be sorted. With oh that. God, man, I'll I'll go with anybody against Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> and no, yeah, actually, and um, what I just kind of there just to get your your two cents on it. Um, Rafa Benitez is supposed to be taking over Everton. What do you think of that? Yeah, he is. He was confirmed yesterday as the manager. You know what? I guess. Listen, I'm an Everton fan from Cork, so it doesn't bother me as much as if I was <laughs> yeah, from Liverpool. Yeah. But he's a proven winner 
you know, he's he's won at multiple clubs. And I kind of, I was saying it to Trevor Welch, I was chatting to him today because he was asking me about it. And I said, it's like this. Rafa Benitez, when he managed Newcastle, they finished 10th. And yeah. he did that with no budget. We had Carlo Ancelotti last year. We spent a fortune and we finished 10th. So mm-hmm. if you give Rafa Benitez the money, I think we'll do better than that. And I'm okay yeah. with that. You know, it's, it's, it's a game. It's like, it's a job. So why shouldn't we be able to go from, it's kind of like here, you know, there's two radio groups in Cork. Yeah, you yeah. work for one or the other, or if you're leaving one, you go to the other. It doesn't, you can't be demonized because of that, you know? You said something one time, actually, when you were talking to us when we were in college, which I, I oh, it's still on. to this Must day. No, no, it's, it's, it's positive. Don't worry. But it was, it actually was a very good thing um, because I wouldn't have necessarily had that opinion before. But you were talking about, as you mentioned there, the two radio stations, Cork's 96 mm-hmm. FM and, of course, Red FM. And, you know, I would have always kind of had the opinion of you're fighting against each other for this, that, and the other. That might be bad feeling. But you actually kind of said there's actually quite a good enough feeling overall between the two stations. And I like to hear yeah, that. Obviously, yeah, there's obviously a rivalry, right? Because, yeah, you know, yeah. commercial radio is about making money. It's about advertising. So you do compete on that level. But personally, there's not. I mean, we're just... We're a very, I mean, there's only a few of us do the job that we do. Yeah. You know, and we respect, we respect and like each other. I mean, okay, yeah, we're working for rival stations, but we're just people and we all get on, really. Yeah, exactly. No, but that was, that actually was nice for me. I know that probably was a throwaway comment or whatever, but that was something that actually kind of, I did like to hear that though, because, you know, I, I think sometimes we think too much about the business side of things when at the end of the day, we're all just people trying to make money and that's, that's what you have yeah. to bear in mind, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's, it's, it is what it is, you know? I mean, and, and when we do meet, yeah, there is a bit of banter, but Jesus, we all get on. We're all yeah, from Cork. Yeah. And we all work in the same industry. So, you know, we all understand the same things. That's very good. Um, something there, like, what do you, how much do you think radio has changed? Like, even since you started in 96, like, has it changed an awful lot even in that time, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think it's gone. It's, 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 you see, for me, radio, I always think, and maybe I, I'm coming from a place of wearing rose tinted glasses when I look at radio. But to me, radio should be about the personalities, the people that are on air. Mm. But I think radio now is more about the music and the songs yeah. that you play because you're now up against Spotify and YouTube and, and, and all these. However, though, I mean, with the amount of people that listen to radio on a daily basis, you know, it's not the music that people are tuning in for. It's the people that work there. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think yeah. jocks have had to get creative and, you know, sell their personality in shorter lengths of time than what they used to have. But the only thing that's changed for me is the music. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was sure as, as um, we used to always be giving out about that in college, like, you know, there's, oh, we don't like the music, whatever. And Peter used to say what, do you, what they'll say to you in the industry. If you don't like the music, there's the door. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't, it's not about that, like, you know. And that's the thing is, I mean, I've driven from one end of the country to the other and you'd scan through the stations and the music is virtually the same. Of course, yeah, yeah. It's just the voices and the jingles are different. Yeah, and, and look, as you say, you're competing with Spotify and other streaming platforms and stuff. So obviously there, there's competition for me. Like music is what's going to sell um, at the end of the day. And, you know, I think it's a shame really because radio was always the way. Like I was talking to Dot Storbin about it there recently. Like this, do you know, like he's somebody who's, um, you know, he's local musician, uh, original artist, all his own original music that he writes and everything. But it's very hard to make money off your music because 
of a big part of it is because of streaming services and stuff but radio was the only way people used to make money before besides gigging because you get royalties when people would play your track but at this stage it's not even gone that way and that's not necessarily the radio station's fault it's just because it's not gonna you're not gonna make an awful lot of money out of selling the local lads track Whereas you can play something from America that's in the charts and it's proven people like it. It's gotten so many streams or whatever. And that's what's going to sell. And I think that's kind of what a shame is because radio was a great medium for people to get themselves out there before. Yeah, I know Dots very well. I used to manage August Walk. Um, so I, I have a great relationship with the lads. And um, I even Dots was on my podcast. I, I do a music podcast as well. And I've had Dots on that. And yeah, you know, I, I feel I feel his pain and I feel every other musician's pain. Now, most radio stations have uh, shows like we have Select Irish here at the weekends and it's kind of like all the yeah. local artists, unsigned artists and all that. But I do think it's a bit unfair, but that's it's above my pay grade, really. Um, of course, yeah. yeah. But if, if, if I did own a radio station and I did control the music... Yeah, I would put a lot more uh, local acts in. I mean, I ran a festival in Cork a couple of years ago called 96 Over 1. And because I used to manage a lot of bands. And I remember at the time saying, you know, if you went out on a Saturday night in Cork, you probably only had two or three pubs where you could catch an original band playing original yeah, music. Yeah, yeah. You know? So I kind of thought that's a real shame because you know what? People are missing out on what I get to see all the time. So then I decided, right, well, I'm going to take over the whole city for a night and I'm going to run multiple gigs across multiple venues and it's going to be all up and coming kind of bands. And I'm going to show the people of Cork what I get to see regularly. So we did that for two years and it proved very, very successful. And I mean, some of the bands that played it have gone on to do really well for themselves. Um, but unfortunately, we're up against, you know, music is tested and we're up against Rihanna's and all this and that's yeah, the way yeah, it's, on music. It's, it's it's very formatted now and it's a shame it's a yeah, shame it is like and I, I think and that can kind of and look fair juice to you for doing stuff like that because as I say I'm a big fan of local music um, especially you know because East Cork has a very big, large original Cute. music scene which is fantastic. Like Middleton has been very good to original bands. I think you know the pubs. August Walk. I mean August Walk. Mm. Hack out. Like if they went in to play in the Middleton Park Hotel, they could get a thousand in there. Exactly. Yeah, and it's been very good. And there's been loads of bands. Like I've I've loads of friends that were starting original. Time is the Thief is another one. Mm. Um, Kieran O'Shea's or Cycle Fly. There another one that came from East Cork. There's there's loads, and I'm missing out. I'm missing out loads of them, but there is loads. There is, yeah, I know, and it's and it's fantastic. And there's another great band actually. On my, uh, there's a friend of mine is in it, and they're called Up for Discussion, and they're from Whitegate. But they're a very yeah. good band. They're kind of Oasis style kind of music, but they're they're very very good. Um, but again, it's it's hard. Like I'd be talking to people, like it is it's hard to keep original bands going because there's not there's not an awful lot of profit in this. There's not really any of this. There's none at all. I think in maybe the I don't know how many years I was in management for maybe seven or eight or nine. I probably plowed about 30 grand of my own money into it. Jesus, yeah, that's insane. Yeah. Like, you, think <clears throat> you know, and like most places, they don't want to pay artists, you know, and that's not mm. fair, but you kind of still have to go and do those gigs to yeah. get heard. And, you know, if you can get on the radio and if you can get playlisted, you know, and, and people like your music, then more people are going to come to your gigs. But it's very hard because I think most people, they go into it 
you know, with the, everyone has the dream that sets up an original band, you know, they want to change the face of rock and roll. They want to bring integrity back into music, but they have yeah. the dream. And it's only when you actually get stuck into it, you realize just how hard it is. Oh, it's, it's serious. Like, I, I mean, I'm not there's, speaking from experience, like, but there's like, seriously good bands out there. Like they kind of reckon any time in Ireland, there's probably about 8,000 unsigned bands. That's just Ireland. You want to hear the unsigned acts then from ever, elsewhere in the world. They're fabulous. I mean, it's mm. to get the golden egg. It, not only does it take hard work, but it takes a bit of luck. It does. And I think sometimes, unfortunately, and, you know, it's not a criticism of any Irish band that are out there. Well, I'm a big fan of some of the, you know, very big Irish bands that are out there. I'm big, big fans of them. You know, like the Coronas, for example, the, I heard your podcast with Danny. It was fantastic because I'm, I'm a big fan of the Coronas. But, mm, you know, I think you have to play a certain type of music sometimes to get out there, unfortunately. No, look, that, that suits some people and that's fantastic. But I think if you're going to, as you say, try something revolutionary, try something new. I don't think you're going, it's, it's, it's very hard to get out there. You have to be lucky. I think you have to kind of get, you have to kind of know somebody as well. And I think that's, as I always, as, as I always say to, to artists, to bands or whatever, you know, I'd say, listen to the music by Irish bands that they're playing on the radio. Mm. And that's, you know, you kind of, that's the kind of style. There's a style. And yeah, yeah. if you want to get played on the radio, <clears throat> well, then you got to, that's the style you kind of got to write in. No, you'll have yeah. guys that say, oh, I'm not selling, I'm not doing that, I'm fine. Well, then enjoy playing to three people. I know, yeah, and it's a shit. Well, it, it is and it isn't. I suppose, look, it, it is what it is at the end of the day. And as you say, look, I mean, the Coronas even have some absolutely fantastic tunes. And even what they've did with their last few albums um, has been great. And they're, they're even trying so, so, like new stuff now. Um, yeah. they're, they're, there's that I remember when they, yeah, sorry. Oh no, sorry. There, there's that track uh, "Cold," for example, that you were playing on uh, on the show, and it's it's brilliant. Like even what they're trying, they're, you can tell they're trying something new, and I really, really enjoyed that. So you can yeah. do new stuff when you get out there, but I think it's just getting out there is the problem. See, they're established, and when you're established, mm. you can like because he never, they, they never. It was funny because after we done the podcast, they then released "Cold" as a single, yeah. and he had never intended in, in in doing that. But it's it was just such a wonderful song for me. It was kind of like Coldplay listened to a lot of, or sorry, it was like the Coronas listened to a lot of Coldplay. Yeah. It's just something, there was something epic about the song. That yeah, was, yeah, you yeah. know, maybe too, because they're maturing as a band and they're just trying out new things. But I remember when the Coronas started, like I was at their very first ever, ever gig. Mm. Um, I was playing in a band in Dublin and they support, supported us in the Sugar Club. I remember after they went on, but it was very funny because they were going on. And we were like, Jesus, lads, Mary Black's in the crowd. Woo, she's come to see us. And then we realized yeah, that yeah. <laughs> that's our son. <laughs> and and I remember when they came off after playing their 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 set, we were all just looking at each other going, these guys are unreal. How are mm. we meant to follow these? But, you know, here I am and they they there they are. So, yeah, the, the talent really rose yeah. to the top in the end. <laughs> Oh, no, of course. And like, I mean, look, they're a very talented family, like, you know, the like the Black O'Reilly family, like, I mean, uh, Mary, of course, is the voice of Ireland at this stage. And uh, Danny's brilliant. Roisin is brilliant. Like they're they're fantastically uh, talented family. Um, yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's very good to see that. But as you say, you do have to play what's um, what's on Irish radio if you want to get out there. You, you definitely yeah. do. Well, that's if you want to get out there in Ireland. I mean, there's multiple yeah, other places, yeah, yeah. too, but it, it is hard. I mean. I remember kind of going into it in management and you'd find a band and you were like, Jesus, these guys are unreal. And you'd kind of get lost in the the dreamy, 
kind of view of how it can go. And it's so yeah. hard, it's so hard because, you know, there's no money being made in it at the start. These guys, they got to give a lot up. You know, you got to go with the mm. whim to, to play a gig and play anywhere and play everywhere. And that's how you do it. It's a lot of graft. And it is, not yeah. everybody, not everybody's into the graft. They're into the end result, but they're not into the graft to get there. And that's why we only have, you know, that's why it's that hard to make it. Of course, yeah, definitely. No, you 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 can see it, like because um, you, you you can see, like even if you're only just talking to somebody, and of course you know yourself um, from from management. Are you still doing management, actually? No, no, no. I do you know what? I kind of lost the love for it. Yeah. In the yeah. end. Um, and then I've kind of attempted to go back once or twice and nah, do you know what? I kind of, I've, I've done it. I've done that. I, I'm not going to go back there. It's amazing memories. Like I, I met, met some amazing friends, mm. you know, mm. put on some amazing gigs, went to some amazing gigs, went to some amazing parties, <laughs> just had some serious crack. But at the end of the day, it was, I, I was done with it. I just couldn't yeah. do it no more. Would would you advise somebody going to go into it? Like if if they're you know if somebody's like came to you and went like look Pierce I'm thinking of you know trying to trying to talk to bands about management. Would would you advise somebody to do it? Um yeah of course if if it's something that you really want to do one hundred percent go for it. Um yeah of course one hundred percent. I mean it's it's fab but you know I guess when I, when I got into management as well yeah I wanted to try and get bands up to a next level but I also wanted to get me up to a next level. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, and 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 yeah. I mean, it was getting there. It, it's 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 hard work. It's a lot of hard work. And then just in the end, just the way life was going, it just didn't suit me anymore. So, and mm. I just remember, I always remember the day I turned, I was at home, and I said to my daughter, it just came out. I said, I actually don't want to do this anymore. Mm. The minute I said it, the minute I said it out, yeah, it was like yeah. this big weight was lifted. So, mm. and you and you love it, yeah. And the funny thing is, when I stopped managing bands, I was then able to go back and listen to music I loved. Because when I was managing bands, I was so immersed in it, I wasn't listening to music I liked to listen to either. Now, don't get me wrong, I mean, I've seen these bands play, but other music, you know, the Coldplay's, the U2's, Bruce Springsteen's, all that yeah, of the world. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't listening to any of that. And then as soon as I gave up management, I was able to go back and listen to it. So. No, that's interesting because I, I actually have heard that before from people where they're saying, you know, you're so immersed in trying to get yourself out there as a musician and you're trying to, th you're nearly critiquing people who you actually like because you're like, oh, what do they have that I don't have nearly? And that that can be, it's nearly a toxic thing really because like at the end of the day, music is music and music is an endless conversation and it's a great thing to have. Like, you know, even, I mean, look, I'm not into like, you know, Ed Sheeran or somebody like that. But even what he's doing, he brings a lot of happiness to people. He's, he's He seems like a grand lad, all the rest. You know, let him do his thing, like, you know. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Nice <laughs> in Parky we may not like him, but there's a rake of other people do. You know, and, and, and that's the thing about music. You know, what's not for you is, is for somebody else. And just because I don't like something, it doesn't mean it's bad. It's yeah, just not for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like when you hear, I'd be laughing when I hear people say, because I was laughing because you, you were having a go off Coldplay. And you do like them. I know you do like them, but you're having a bit of go off them. And and like that, I'd be laughing because, you know, you two Coldplay and people are condemning them. And then you're thinking, yeah, but they're selling out Wembley. They're selling out the Aviva. Know, yeah. You go on a world tour and sell out. So they're actually not that bad. They're not shit like you said they were. <laughs> no, not saying it, the truth, but that's what you hear people say. Like. 
it's like people who say like, oh, DH doesn't, DH can't really play guitar. He only plays like three notes or something. It's like, well, Jesus, man, he's getting by well for a fellow who's fucking planned to play, isn't he? <laughs> Fair yeah, play. and I, I saw, I actually, I actually saw a show then. It was The Edge, your man, Jack White, and Led Zeppelin's guitarist, Jimmy Page. Yeah. And they were as enamored with The Edge as he was with them. And you're kind of going, these guys are serious guitarists. And <laughs> yeah. they're looking at him being wowed. So... Whatever it is that the edge can do, he does it really well. Yeah, you're quite you're quite a U two fan, actually. I, I know that from uh, James James Clancy tagging us both yeah, in U yeah. two things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I love them. Um, I went the last time I saw them was about three years ago in London, and it yeah. was my first time seeing them out of the country because mm. I kind of thought, you know what, I've seen them in in Ireland loads. Let's just make a weekender out of it. And never did I feel so proud for being Irish, mm. being at that because. You know, they're proud about being Irish, but you've seen all these people not in Ireland going absolutely nuts over these guys. Yeah, and like, yeah. You know, they're the lads like it's you too. They're they're from our country and they started in Cork, <laughs> you know. So I know the feeling like because uh now I've only ever seen you two in Ireland, but uh I still it, it's a great feeling. But I remember I went to see you two in Dublin, uh, in Croke Park in twenty seventeen. They did the Joshua Tree uh was it the 30th oh, anniversary yeah. tour which was fantastic brilliant show I saw uh, the original one so. yeah. <laughs> Jesus no I, I wouldn't I wasn't at that I would love to have been but I wasn't at that one um, enjoy but, it <laughs> oh yeah it was fantastic but it, it was it was brilliant but like what what kind of struck me that day was around Dublin people are protesting you too and I'm just like what are you protesting them for like look I mean there is that thing of the tax you know like they, they moved it to moved you to so they didn't have to pay tax or whatever but like that's I think at the end of the day they're just musicians like they're not they're not political um anarchists or anything like what's what's the issue with them coming and playing a tour like playing a show in their hometown what's the actual yeah, issue I, there like I think Irish people are funny though because um anybody who become successful we like to kind of take the legs from out of them so that they don't yeah. get notions about themselves like if you two were american could you imagine i know how yeah, much yeah, americans yeah. be behind them oh no because like they're huge in america you two are massive like people love them you know but like bono was on conan o'brien or something one time and he was telling that story that like in america if a lad sees a fella you know in a mansion and he said, you know, he sees him, he'd say, like, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here now, obviously, but he'll yep. say, like, I'm I, someday I'm going to be that guy in that house, whoever. If an Irish fella sees that fella, he'd say, I'm going to get that fucker someday. <laughs> <laughs> that's the difference, like. <laughs> yeah. Now, maybe that's just, you know, historically as a nation, we've been used to being put down. So we, yeah, we, we don't deal with success too well because, you know, it's only in the last hundred years we've, we've our own state. Prior to that, we were under occupation. So there was never any encouragement for us to do anything good. As a matter of fact, our, the things that we loved the most were made illegal. And, you know, we would have been in a lot of trouble, you know, yeah, Irish, of course, and of Irish music, even the Irish language, schooling, the hedge schools, all that. So I do think it is, I think in a hundred years time, if you have another U2, I think it'll be different because as Ireland is growing as a, a free state and as a nation, I think people that kind of historical put down thing is, is, is leaving because I think all you guys youngsters coming up, you don't care about that. And I think it's great. I really no, do. of course. And I, I love being Irish. Like I'm, I actually am quite proud of being Irish because I think like I've, I've, you know, I've traveled a bit myself like around, you know, even around Europe and 
Like, I think you don't, you, you we, we take for granted how nice Irish people are. And that's not putting down anyone else in the world, but it's just, we're very friendly. Even if you like, for example, have to go for like, uh, let's just say a vaccination at the moment with COVID, everyone Mm -hmm. you'll meet on the way in is so friendly, so helpful, will help you out, you know, the whole lot. But in other countries, you don't always get that. And I noticed that a bit. You, it's not always that everyone's so friendly and accommodating, but we, we, do, we do take that for granted as Irish people, I think. And I think that's why people like coming here, you know, the warm Irish welcome and, yeah. and, and all of that. And because, yeah, listen, let's face it, we're just a deadly nation, really, you know. We are, we're sons, yeah. You know, and, and, and it doesn't take a whole lot to please us. You know? <laughs> it doesn't but, really. No, not at all. It's like I, 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 I'd be laughing and joking and like you mentioned in the vaccination program. And I mean, it is the uptake here is huge in comparison to other places in the world. Mm. But as I said, that's because of pints in Spain. Everybody wants to get out and have pints and they want to go on their sunny holidays. And if that's yeah. the motivating factor to do it, well then fine. Let's well, do exactly. it. Exactly. Keep people safe at the end of the day. And like, yeah. like cause my, uh, my girlfriend is from uh, Sardinia, you know, in, in Italy. And like, she'd even say like, she's been living in Ireland now for uh, is it three or four years. And she said, like, I'd say, what do you like about Ireland? She said, everyone here is just so easygoing. Like, initially, people are not as easygoing about things. Like, even if you, you know, if, you, if you're in a queue and you make a mistake or something, people aren't rude to you. And she said, yeah. you really do take that for granted as an Irish person. How did she find your accent when you first met? Because Very tough. <laughs> <laughs> she's as bad my, She's as bad now herself, because you see, like, she, she knew English, obviously, before she came to Ireland, but... She didn't know English as well until she kind of started integrating with the people. And I'd say now she probably sounds very similar to myself, nearly. <laughs> She's an Italian Cork accent. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I yeah, always exactly. Find, <laughs> I always find it funny, too, when, um, especially Eastern European people. And I also find uh, taxi drivers, we say, from India or Pakistan. And, and I remember saying it one day to a, it was an, in, an Indian uh, cab driver. And I said, if you listen to the Cork accent and if you listen to your accent, they're both very sing-songy. So I said, okay. it's quite natural that you're going to get the Cork lilt. And I also find funny Eastern European people because they love that accent. But when they've been here for a while and they're using little Corkisms and their yeah, voice yeah. is starting to go up at the end of a sentence, I think it's the funniest thing ever. Because I know I if I went to live in Poland, I wouldn't be talking with, with a Polish accent at all. Mm-hmm. I know, and I think I think it's class actually, because like for example, there's a lad that I know, and he's from uh, he's from Armenia originally. Uh, I think he grew up in Turkey though, but he's living in East Cork, um, and he's well known around the place. Uh, but he's like, if you go in to see him, like he owns a shop, like, and you just go in to see him, and he's just like, all right, there, bye, was sorry, you know, like that, just straight <laughs> up, and it's class. Like I love it. It's just because I said it to him one time. I was like, you really embraced the accent. He said, I couldn't help it. I had to like <laughs> to get by somehow. I remember years ago when I was a teenager, the, the BBC done a, a show about the English accent, you know, or about the about speaking English and the different accents around mm. the world. And they came here to Cork. It was hilarious. And there was a couple of L fellas sitting outside. A, I think it was the, the, the brewery in Blackpool. And they had to subtitle them, right? Which was hilarious. <laughs> then they went to this island that was off the coast of Africa. And the priests that were there, that kind of were there, were, were a Cork, were from Cork. So the English there were teaching. So then they had these local lads and they were, they were, I don't know, they were doing something with hay. And one of them turns and he was like, Paddy, 
pasta here, Dale. Voila! <laughs> Jesus <Because> Christ. <laughs> the English that they had learned was from Cork priests. So it was the accent, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. the tone. It was everything. Hilarious, but it's class. No, but it is. Cork, on, like cork on tour. It is. It's class. But you know, that's that's what makes Ireland so great too, is because obviously of our history, um, you know, colonialism. So if we have to, we have to go around the world. We, you know, we, we've been to every part of the world. Like you go anywhere in the world, you're going to bump into a paddy somewhere like, and that's, yeah. that's the thing. And I think when you're abroad yourself, as you were saying there about being at U2, you start to get, get this sense of pride when you're an Irish person living abroad or even just being abroad you're like you almost feel like you're like a diplomatic representative of the country when you're going somewhere yeah 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 and there's a, there's a place it's it's kind of i don't know monterey is that, that where it is but there's this island and it was originally a british colonial island but it's the only other place in the world and their national day is saint patrick's day and all the the little towns and it half of the island was destroyed by a volcano a number of years ago but I've always said I'd love to visit there because there's all Irish names because basically there's a lot of Irish sent out there as slaves. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, it's all the, the names are Irish names and English names of, of the little towns that they have there. And I always said I'd love to visit it. No, that would be nice, actually. Uh, no, because like even if you go to some parts of America, if you go to like a smaller town because there's so many Irish Americans living there or whatever, there's nearly that sense like and. I don't know, I always noticed it, especially like I, I remember one time uh, we went to Spain on holidays like and, you know, the English have a bad reputation when they go abroad. And so and obviously through history and all the rest. But there's all that kind of factor. When people hear you speak in English, they nearly assume you're English. But then once they hear you're Irish, they're all about you, you know, straight away. Like, you know, we're, we're in the same boat ourselves, you know. <laughs> yeah, we had that in Berlin, actually. Uh, a, a bunch of us went maybe about three or four years ago and we went over for a year. Because we were sick of doing years even Cork, right? Because there's no fireworks. Yet there was going to be a million people at the Brandenburg Gate with loads of fireworks. We were like, "Yeah, we'll do this." And yeah, every time a group of people would turn, they'd say, "You English, yeah?" <laughs> so we'd say, "You Austrian, yeah?" And they'd be like, "Oh, we're like, we're Irish, man." Yeah, oh, would... we love the Irish. Yeah, we love. But they all, then they all think we're pissheads, right? Because they're, they're all saying to us, oh, you love to drink, you love to party. And we were like, well, we said no more than anybody else. Oh, no, we heard you're worse. And I was like, man, it's four o'clock in the morning. We're in a nightclub talking. Like, so you're clearly <laughs> as up for it as I am. So, no, because we do have the drinking culture, obviously. Like, and, you know, we, we, we do like our points. Of course we do, Irish people. As you say, even just the, the, the motivation for getting a vaccine is people want to go on holidays to have a drinking holiday or whatever. And I look, I mean, look, as you say, I think I think we're a well-behaved people, though. Like, for the most part, obviously, there's exceptions. But I think the biggest indication of that I ever saw was, remember your 2016 when we were out in France and the way the Irish people were just conducted. I was so proud of the way people conducted themselves as traveling fans compared to, you know, you saw what some of the English fans were doing and some other fans from other countries were doing. They were just drawing property and, you know, getting drunk and reckless. And Irish people were just behaving themselves. And it's almost, it's an Irish guilt nearly that, you know, when you go into someone else's house and, you know, you're, you, obviously you're not going to take off your shoes. You're, you mightn't sit down until you're told or whatever, you know, if someone offers you something, no, 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 in grand, you know, I think there's yeah, nearly that polite. sense. <laughs> yeah, there's nearly that when you're, when you go abroad, that you, you know, you're not going to cause any destruction because you're like, oh, I can't, I'm in someone else's home now. Like I can't, <laughs> you know. <laughs> man will kill me. <laughs> yeah. and, there's also, and I think there's also, we just like to have the crack. 
We do. We're we're well we're well meaning people, I think. And and that comes from history, as you say. Like we, we spent so many years under British oppression. I think we nearly have to come out and just have a laugh about things. Like I was I was chatting to a lad there recently who's uh, he's living in America which years, but he's from Derry originally. And like he grew up during the troubles. Um and you know, some of the things he was describing to me, what he was seeing every day, and you know, like fear of bombs going off, all that kind of stuff. Like stuff we'll never know anything about because we grew up in the South. And he said, like when he goes to America he noticed that himself and his his Irish you know peers had such a great sense of humor compared to everyone else to the point where they're they're, they're taking the piss out of each other but the Americans don't necessarily get that because they haven't they haven't had to kind of laugh too much about things either yeah. that's just oh, yeah. it, it comes from that you know I used to live in Dublin and uh, I used to live in a place called Swords which is in North County Dublin mm. and I had an American girl from the Bible Belt rent, renting a room for me you know okay so we were gonna <laughs> we were gonna have to the shop one evening and you know those crow bangers that they have in the farms, yeah? Yeah. And so as we're walking out, you just hear, and she was like, oh my God, what's that? And I was like, that's the troubles. <laughs> she was like, the troubles? I said, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, how far away are they? I said, well, the IRA and the English are fighting about eight miles up the road. I said, but they never go any further. I said, so you're safe here. And I completely <laughs> forgot about it until later when she was like, Mom, I heard the troubles earlier oh, on. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, it's it. No, it is. It's scary. Like, because that put Ireland on the map for years, too, that people were terrified of what's going on over in Ireland. So you could actually pull that shit on people as well. I know, but it's mad like, yeah. such a small country. Mm. Yeah. All that it's like a different world up there. Like yeah. uh, obviously, we've all none of us have a clue what it's like to live up there, right? None of us have a clue to know what those people went through that lived up there. And then when you talk to people that lived through, and you're kind of like, "Oh, Jesus, we live on a small island." You know, ultimately, yeah, it's yeah. a tiny island, and this stuff. I mean, if you're in America, the north's only up the road, and mm. that's happening. And it just seemed like a different world, and it still seems like a different world up there. As you say, like some states in America are, are, you know, three or four times the size of Ireland. Like, and yeah. it's just, it's, it's mad. But every part of Ireland you go to, people are different. Now we're, we're all the same in a way, but there's a different culture nearly in every part of Ireland for such a small island. Like people probably assume all the they're accents. all the same on that island, you know. Yeah. And all the accents as well. Mm. I mean, you know, as even, even in Cork, different parts of Cork that you go into and the accent, you know, yeah. the East Cork accent, the West Cork accent, the city accent, the North side, the South side. Bishopstown, mm. it's all, it's 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 weird. I I I it just I find it bizarre because it's like Jesus, we're tiny. Like <laughs> we, we should all really have the same accent. Uh, yeah, exactly. So Pierce, I'll go and talk to you there, um, because we mentioned it, you know, briefly there or whatever. But we'll talk sure. to you about your own podcast, um, mm -hmm. the Four Play podcast. Very good play on words there for you. Um, but it it is a very good podcast. So you, could could you explain to for people so what that podcast is about? Sure. Um, the whole idea behind it is in each episode, I have a songwriter on the podcast who picked the four songs that are most personal to them that they've written. And we hear the songs and then we hear the story behind the song. And I just think it's kind of a, a different and a novel way of getting to know the person mm -hmm. because every songwriter, their songs are their babies. They're about personal things that have happened to them are issues that they have with what's going on with the world. But by talking about the song, you get to know them. Yeah, and I love that element of it. And I actually have listened to a good few episodes because, oh, thanks, uh, you know, no, but there's people that I genuinely would have been interested in and some people that I might not have listened to before. But, 
when I when I you know when I heard them on it, I was like, oh, I'm actually going to check them out, and that's it's good for them, it's promotion for them because I've checked out some artists there, and there's some fantastic um artists on it but like you know obviously there's there's a few in particular that i would love to like obviously danny the, in the cronus was someone i really wanted to listen to and he, he was very good you know what he talked about and even where some of the songs came from i would have interpreted uh some of the songs in a different meaning to what he actually was writing himself and i think that's what's good about music as well yeah it's perceptive isn't it you know i mean they, they write it but i mean that's the you know you could somebody could be going through a time and just something about the lyrics connect with them and it helps them. But it may not necessarily be what the artist wrote the song about. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and like I used to be, I, I used to write songs before. I was quite crap at it, right? But I used to write songs before. And but I never told people what the songs were about for that reason, because number one, it was personal mm-hmm. to me, but I didn't want to ruin it for somebody either. You yeah, know? yeah, but, yeah. But that's, as I always say in the podcast, the, the thing I love the most about music is its ability to freeze a moment in time. Yeah, that's that's it. It definitely is. And that's what I love about it too. And even like, you know, like some, somebody that I'm, I'm actually, I, I know quite well as well from, and he was on your own podcast, is Malcolm Mooker from uh, uh, Lost Gecko. Gecko. And I love Lost Gecko because I think they're a particular band that i haven't heard anybody around here that sounds like them it's just it's almost theatrical the, the type of music they're playing it's absolutely fantastic like if you like i i'm i used to manage the last gecko for a while actually but i'm great friends with malcolm i'm we're, mm. we're just really really good buddies great and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm quite lucky that when he's got new music coming out he'll always send it to me early because he just wants to hear my opinion on it. Mm. So I have a, a massive, like I have a collection of stuff at home that people haven't heard yet from Las Gecko. And it's like that. Some of the stuff and the route that they're going now, we should be hearing their stuff on movies. Exactly. It's, yeah, yeah. It's just, but Malcolm's attention to detail. He knows what he wants. Um, you know, Elaine that plays on the cello. They, they've got this amazing connection as well, personally and professionally. And then John and the drums as well. They're just, you know, I've, I've always been a little bit stumped as to why Las Gecko aren't further up mm. the gravy chain and in like, a way. Uh, and Malcolm then is just such a humble fellow. Like you'd say that to him, like, like man, I, I've, I've talked to him so many times about just being like, man, you're like, that sound is unbelievable. Like, and he's just like, oh, yeah, thanks. Jesus, yeah, thanks very much. You know, as if it's surprising, you know, like, but as you say, like you mentioned there, you know, I wrote songs, they were crap. So I'd say even Bruce Springsteen probably thought his songs were crap. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's yeah. all, it's all for other people as well. Music is for everyone. Do you know what I mean? And that's, that's what it is. And the beauty, I guess, with the podcast is, you know, I've had different genres um, on, and, and the beauty, and, you know, I've had I've, I've people who are at different stages of their careers as well. But ultimately, the stories, you know, it's each each episode is as personal to me because, you know, every guest are sharing their foremost personal songs with you and the stories mm-hmm. behind them. And some of them get quite personal. Some of the guests have got quite personal in chatting about it and they're sharing and and it's wonderful, you know, and. You know, long may it continue. Season two is about to drop, so I've been busy pre-recording. So, um, yeah, I, ho- I hope people like it. <laughs> no, but it is I, it's a very good podcast. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have some I have some funky guests already pre-recorded, and some more to come as well. And we're going a little bit more international 
uh, with the second season, like I love people, you know, girl on from Finland, uh, the guy from the States coming on, um, guy from Australia, but just trying to want, just trying to line up the times is crazy. Yeah, yeah. But, no, but very yeah, good. So we'll really keep on going anyway. There's going to be 16 episodes in season two, so the plan is it drops Sunday week. So. And what's the main platform for the podcast? Like I listen on Spotify or SoundCloud, but is there another way people can uh, can get that? Yeah, it, it's it's on Apple, it's on uh, Apple Podcasts, it's on uh, Google Podcasts. It's it's kind of on. I think it's on all of them because uh, I I upload. I don't know how you upload your. I upload mine through Anchor. I use RSS. Um, okay. They're all. They're all it's yeah. actually. Like it, they're all the same. I find RSS is quite efficient. I mean, like if I upload, like I might upload my episode, episodes, like I ed- edit them early and schedule them, you know, and it, it's, yeah. it's quite efficient. I haven't had any issues with it yet, anyway. Yeah. And there's a lot of this Buzzsprout, and then you hear, and, and I mean, the thing is, you know, yourself, when you get into podcasting, you start joining podcasting groups on, on social media. I do anyway, yeah. just, to, just to kind of see what people are, are kind of are at. And I don't know, it's like, I, Anchor FM for me is great because I put that up and it just like that it uploads them and everything. Now I have a crowd in America that have been on to me and they're they're kind of a relatively new kind of podcast group, but they want to start uploading it and pushing it over there. So yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. But what I love most about podcasting and you know, I was I was kind of talking about it for a long time that I was going to do it. Um, and it was that was actually the, the pandemic that just made me do it. I just had nothing else to do, so I had to do it. Like, but um, what I love about podcasting so much is there's nobody telling you what to do. It is purely what you want to do, and yeah. that's why I love it. It's creative control, and I absolutely love it for that reason. And it's not as regulated as as radio because I guess radio here you've BAI and you yeah, know, yeah. And, and, and I guess you have to have a set of standards. Of course, yeah. However, podcasting is kind of you can let the the reins off a little bit you know if you want to curse yeah. you can curse people aren't going to judge you or you can't be pulled on it and you can cover pretty much anything you want within reason i guess and yeah, it's just course. freedom i mean your podcast can be 20 minutes long or it can be four hours long it doesn't really matter there's no rules you make your own rules i suppose oh no sure like as you say about bai and all those regulations these are some of the shite i've sprouted out to people wouldn't wouldn't get far past someone i'd say at this stage but that's what i like though is i can be a bit sillier like i mean i'm i'm into comedy like that's my thing like so i prefer yeah what to ask you about that what, what's what's that deal how did you like do you do stand-up and stuff i haven't done stand-up yet um but i plan on doing it eventually but i, I I've, I've bits written you know what i mean i'm always kind of doing bits like myself and my buddy aaron mccarthy now that i do the uh uninformed podcast what we do like we're always kind of doing little bits together and stuff and mm. um, i'm looking forward now do you know when things start opening up again properly that's i'm going to push myself into that and you know try and be a bit more performative about it and shitting it yeah, like ross, ross brown lives in your part of the world the witch ross brown he lives yeah. in your part of the world he does yeah he actually lives near enough to me actually he's uh he's living down he's living down in carry tool yeah yeah no he's he's quite I, I remember the first time i ever saw him he wasn't even working here he was opening up for tommy tiernan in the comedy club mm. and i actually liked him more than tommy tiernan so much so i ended up walking out at the halfway point to tommy tiernan and didn't think he was great at all whereas ross brown i thought was amazing mm. so I've my tickets got for him in the opera house, but it just keeps getting put off. Goddamn COVID. So I can't I know, wait yeah. till, because he's just, 
he's always writing stuff. I mean, he's involved in the breakfast show and here with KC and mm. my God, they work hard. They work so hard. They're fantastic. Constantly, though, mm. Yeah. Constantly coming up. And I was only saying it to my friend Lorraine here before we came out and, and I've like, she was saying, what's the podcast like? And I said, well, I said, you know, I listened to a, a few episodes and you are funny and I like what you're trying to do. I really, mm. really do. I you appreciate know, that. And, Jesus, yeah. yeah. And keep going because you're going to get there. Jesus, Pierce, thanks very much for that. Um, we'll end on a, on a positive note. So. Hey! <laughs> um, Pierce, thanks so much. This this has meant an awful lot to me. Um, I really enjoyed this episode. And of course, I love your own podcast. Um, thanks, continue man. on with that and I'll be listening to that. So that's, uh, thanks very thank much. You. Before you do your thank yous and sign off, I just want to thank you too. And it's a pleasure to be here. It's an honor to be asked on. And um, thanks, man. Pierce, take care, my man. You too, bud. 